are we doing it a little bit later in the week than I normally do, but you know what? I am busy. We're still getting another episode of Wizards After Dark coming up, and uh, I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of America's Least Favorite Podcast. And on the other end of the Skype line, I got Mike Vorkanov, who covers the Knicks, also for us, for The Athletic. If you are the host of America's Least Favorite Podcast, what the hell does that make the long twos? <laughs> like the world's least favorite podcast? I don't know, man. I feel like you probably have uh, uh, much more much more exciting content than I ever could. I don't know, man. I don't know. The Knicks are kind of like, in a sense, they're interesting, but they're also kind of boring right now. They're just in purgatory until like, at least until May 14th, and then maybe until July 1. So you want to hear you want to hear a crazy stat about yeah, just lottery odds in general because we're going to be talking lottery today for a little bit and uh, you're obviously going to be at the lottery and you're going to be at the combine next week and I'm going to be at the lottery and the combine as well. That's the beauty we have of covering lottery teams. Uh, here's a stat for you to put in perspective what the NBA smoothing these lottery odds is done because the, the lottery odds are flatter right now than they have been since like 1991. What yeah. year was it? They changed it. 90, uh, 1990 was the, 1990. I, I may be working on a few lottery stories. So I know some details now that are ingrained in my head. It was 89. They NBA board of governors voted on it. 1990 was the first year they went to a weighted lottery system before that seven teams in a drum. I may be working on some lottery stories too, so it sounds like we are going to have to. Uh, we're gonna have to make sure we don't overlap there. Yeah, we <laughs> should probably talk about this like off air. We should have yes. probably you know discuss. Hey, are you working on anything? Yeah, because I'm working on two things. Uh, I I don't think we'll overlap from the way you're talking about it. Yeah, let's let's save the the story meeting for off air. My my guess is you're going to be talking about a guy who's involved with the Knicks uh, with the Knicks lottery representative this year. Alan oh, Houston. Patrick Ewing. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. That guy. The guy. Uh, it depends if uh, if the nice people at Georgetown return my phone calls, uh, which well, we're kind of getting laid into the process for. So yeah, exactly. I'll let you know how that's going. Anyway, here's something I'm putting into perspective for you. So, so just for those who don't know, because this is, I, I imagine that even diehard MBAs aren't that familiar with the with lottery odds and the history of lottery of, of lottery odds. Like this is the most boring stuff you could possibly imagine, which is exactly why. This is the worst podcast in America. So uh, basically the NBA in recent years, really for the last 25 years or so, uh, since af- after they changed after the Magic draft in 1993. So the Magic won in 1992, mm. and, or in 1993 for a second consecutive year. 92 they won, they got Shaq. 93 they won, that was the Chris Webber year. They drafted Chris Webber, they traded him for, uh, for Penny Hardaway. The Magic had the worst odds. They they were actually forty one and forty one that year. They had the worst odds, and it was just if you have the, there were eleven teams in the lottery. If you have the first pick, then uh, you get eleven ping pong balls. Second pick you get ten. Third pick you get nine, and so on. The Magic won a second year. They only had one ping pong ball. They were the last team in the lottery, and uh, and they won. It was you know less than a two percent chance or something like that, and they ended up winning. And they changed the odds again, so then the top team got a twenty five percent chance. Uh, now, they changed it again this year as a way to discourage tanking. The top three teams all have a 14% chance at number one. Chicago, who has the fourth best chance, has a 12.5% chance. Atlanta, who has the fifth best chance, has 105 The Wizards at six have a 9% chance exactly. 
Now, to give you just perspective of how easily somebody could jump in and pass the Wizards, though, and send them down, or even two teams, people have talked about, like, okay, the Wizards have only, like, five percentage point different. Uh, difference of them winning 32 games and the Knicks who have the worst record in the NBA who have a 14% chance. Yeah. Minnesota has a 14% chance of jumping into the top four. And I was talking to somebody, I was talking to somebody recently about Minnesota. I was like, well, you know, if like Minnesota jumps into the top four, they're like, Minnesota's not going to jump into the top four. What are their chances? They're, they're 10th in the lottery. What are their chances of jumping into the top four? I said fourteen percent, and they were like, "They're not going to jump into the top four. I said, "Minnesota's chances of jumping into the top four are essentially exactly the same as the Knicks getting number one." And yeah, like, okay, that's actually not that bad because I think probabilities messes up the way that everybody thinks, you know? Yeah, everybody. I mean, like, not to as we saw in like the twenty sixteen election, like no one really understands. Well, a lot of people do, but no one in a wide array of uh, the audience understands probabilities but like have you because i've been watching these things like fluctuate all year long because the knicks have been so bad that it's basically the only interesting thing about them was like okay where are they going to be drafting i mean the way that they waited it this year the knicks for all their crappiness their 17 win season have a 48 percent chance to get the number five pick that means they have a 52 percent chance to get a, a top four pick like that's how much that they have jumbled up the, the lottery odds this year the nba has yeah, they've, that's they've, a huge disincentive to to be the worst team in the NBA when you're about fifty fifty to go one through four or number five. Hey, I was talking to somebody from Atlanta, yeah. probably about midway through the year, and I thought Atlanta was going to be like the worst or second worst team in the league this year. And I was talking to somebody it was right around when Trey Young was starting to turn it on, and I said to a, I I made a joke about like you guys upset you aren't the worst team in the league right now, and the person said like honestly like it's fine. <laughs> With the lottery odds now, it's like I don't care if we have a twelve percent, twelve and a half percent chance at number one yeah. or a fourteen percent chance at number one. That extra one and a half percent isn't isn't worth it just to like you know derail our young players and encourage them to lose. So let's try to win. Yeah, I agree and, with that. And they did. They had a really nice close to the year. Trey Young. Everyone knows what Trey Young did. He's awesome, and uh, they look like they're really nicely set up for the future. And they have a 12.5% chance at number one compared to 14 if they had just decided to tank and have the worst record in the league. Not that big of a difference. No. I mean, I'd much rather be in Atlanta and accumulate and develop talent and win the way they did this year than, like, you know, I don't know, Phoenix, right, or Cleveland, who have 14% chance of winning the top pick. Um, but it's 3.5, you know, percentage points better than Atlanta. I know that's, like, almost a third – uh, 33% better than Atlanta, like if we're talking relatively, but I don't know. I'll take it. I'll, I'll be okay with not being the worst part version of myself for a year and develop players and try to win and do all that type of intangible stuff and like maintain a, eh, about about the same odds of winning the lottery. Like This could be a crazy year in terms of what the top three looks like because everything is so flat pretty much for the top six. Like I would say for Washington is where I would round it off for that, where the, 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 like the best odds tier uh is for the nba lottery yeah so what this what this did in my opinion what it will do in the long term is it eliminated like basement tanking those well not eliminate not eliminated i should take that way it obviously didn't eliminate basement tanking it it legislated 
basement well, tanking. Can I can I push back at that? And I sure. this is me because I've been thinking about this this year because this is the the first season that we've had these um these new odds, right? We haven't had any results yet to play with, and so I think by the time that you know last season ended, we had kind of had a conventional wisdom about how to accumulate young talent in the NBA and like highest possible ceiling young talent in the NBA. So there's a clear disincentive and incentive structure. I do wonder, because we haven't had this before and because the odds have been pretty drastically changed uh, and we ha- we don't have any results to actually go off of it, and this is probably me, maybe it's not giving enough credit to NBA executives, but I feel like what the results of this year's lottery are going to be are going to influence teams for a few years on whether they want to be really bad. Like, it's going to be, like you said, people don't really understand probability. Like, I feel like if New York wins the lottery this year or Cleveland or Phoenix, everyone's going to be like, no, it's okay. So you can still bottom out and tank and be the worst team in the league and win the number one pick. The lottery is not that bad. Completely uh, misunderstanding or willfully ignoring that, no, the, the odds have changed so drastically. Like, this is just – it's still a fluke. Like, you should, you should still not uh, – you should not operate the way that you did the five years before. I mean, and it'd all, be, it'd all be based on just how the lottery goes. Like if, if Dallas jumps up with the 6% chance, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is a cataclysmic change. Everyone has to uh, plan their team development in a different way. I think that's a good point. I think that's a very good point. Um, that being said, I'm still going to make the point I was about to make. <laughs> after, <laughs> after, okay. after I make a correction, I say I said Atlanta was uh, – Twelve and a half percent. Atlanta is ten and a half percent. Chicago, number four, is twelve and a half percent. My point about Atlanta still stands. Uh, but I think what I, I think ultimately what it's going to do. I don't think it's going to completely eliminate basement tanking at all. It's not. There are teams who are just going to go down and be like, and when I say basement tanking, I mean tanking for the number one pick, like those just teams at the basement of the NBA who just stink, like the Knicks or Cleveland. Like those teams were just dreadful this year. And they tanked at the end of the year. They and Knicks tanked for most of the year. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, I think what it will end up doing is kind of like what we saw this year. You talked about how like the cutoff is the Wizards. Well, there yeah. was a race to tank for number six. Uh, the Wizards all of a sudden stopped fouling at the end of games. They, they. I mean, it was shameless for the team that says they will never ever tank. Goodness, they tanked. They started playing outrageous closing lineups. I mean, it was they stopped playing Beal minutes, which like all that. I was like, yeah, that's how a lot of teams operate. But it was funny to see them go from we will try so hard for the playoffs, we'll never ever tank to oh my god, look at what we can do when we're trying to lose games. Uh, the Wizards did it. Uh, Dallas had a top five protected pick that they're giving to Atlanta. So they were trying to get into the top five. Now they're they're at ninth best odds. And if uh, and uh, it looks like Atlanta will end up getting that pick. At least the odds say that. Although, as we've gone over, the odds aren't that we'll good. See. Yeah. Uh, we saw New Orleans really tanking to try to get there at the end of the year. Uh, so so I, think, I think that's a way that this could end up affecting stuff. But we'll, you know, like you said, we don't know. We'll see. I do agree. I do think it's a really good point that just from a human side, there are so many data-driven organizations in the league now where they look at probabilities and they look at these numbers, and and these numbers are right here. They're not analytics. It's not an estimate that you have a 14% chance at the first pick. You do have a 14% chance at the first pick. That's how the probability works. Of the 1,000 ping-pong balls, you have 140 of them. That's a 14% chance. So, So 
even amongst those data-driven uh, organizations, I think you're right. There's a human aspect to this, and there are going to be organizations who are like, well, it worked. It worked. The yeah. Knicks did it, and they still got number one. So what do you know? Yeah, I I, I mean, in some way you can understand them. Like, it is, you know, it is still humans running the operation until the machines take over and run front offices in about five to ten years. Um and so I get why they would fall into recency buys and all that type of stuff. I do find it interesting, though, that all those top six teams uh, who have the best odds at the number one pick, I, I think I think it's fair to say only really, I want to say New York, um, really tried to bottom out from the beginning of the year on. Like, they all got there eventually. But, you know, if you read, like, Joe Varden uh, and Jason Wood at the beginning of the year, like, Cleveland thought it might have been a playoff team. Like it might have been able, they thought it might have been able to get into the eight seed. Phoenix didn't want to be this bad. Chicago, I mean, Chicago did what Chicago did, and I don't know, um, whatever. And they seemed to think they wouldn't be this bad. And I, I know Washington didn't want to be this bad. And it seemed like Atlanta wanted to be as competitive as they possibly could be with their young team. So maybe you can kind of group them in with the Knicks a little bit, but it wasn't the all-out race to the bottom we've seen in years before. So I don't know if that was just happenstance for this one year and the, this first debut of these new odds or if, if that was intentional. Who would be the funniest team? Who would be the funniest team to win the lottery? Funniest? Yeah. I've got my answer. I want to hear yours. Oh, man. Can we bring back, like, the magic of Nick Gilbert? Yeah, you think it'd be Cleveland if Nick Gilbert won? Because that would mean Nick four Gilbert, out of five Nick Gilbert lotteries. Like, that dude is, if he wins this year, if I'm, um, I don't know, if I'm like the Lakers next year or the Knicks, if they're in this position again, I try to hire Nick Gilbert just to have him <laughs> represent me at the lottery. That's it. I don't know. There's, I mean, like, I, this is all random, but that guy, he has a flair. Uh, I think it would be funny... I think it would be hilarious if the Lakers won it. It would be so funny if the Lakers like, won the lottery after all this. Um, I'm trying to. I think the Kings don't even have their own pick, so that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of think like the the Lakers and probably Cleveland are my two most like just holy crap! I can't believe that happened. Results. So that means if Cleveland won, they would win four out of five. Uh, non-LeBron lotteries, all with Nick yeah. Gilbert, the owner's son, as their representative. The yeah, lottery goat. I can't believe they're sending him again because I feel like I feel like Nick Gilbert should be taking like a like a James K. Polk approach. <laughs> he served one term. It was it was in his mind according to what he wanted to accomplish. I don't think a lot of people would say that what James K. Polk was what they wanted their president to accomplish. But in Jim K. Polk's mind, he accomplished everything he wanted to do. And yeah. he was just like, I'm not running again. And Nick Gilbert served a term. He served. LeBron only operates in terms. Let's yes. be real. He served two terms, in, two terms in Cleveland. Then he went to Miami for one four-year term, then back to Cleveland for one four-year term, and then he signs a four-year term in L.A. So he, he, he worked the non-LeBron term. He, he, he goes four years, four lotteries, three wins, unbelievably successful why just 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 get out let the legend live for itself you know what i think i think he's actually um he operates under the action hero one last stand ethos you know he's like at home somewhere or at work and he's doing whatever he's doing in 2019 and his father dan goes to him and goes nick we're in the lottery again we have 
we're tied for the best odds. We need you. Like, and Nick's like, Dad, I said I'm done. <laughs> but you know what? I got I'll out of that game retirement. long ago. Yeah. And like, he just, you know, <laughs> he has that long monologue. And then he's like, all right, I'll do it one more time. <laughs> it's like the wrestler who says he retired. You know, like the Undertaker retired at WrestleMania a few years ago. He left his hat. Uh, his gloves in the ring, and then he comes back the next year, and he's he's whooping John Cena's butt at WrestleMania 33. Oh, amazing. If the Lakers win, it would be so funny. If Philly wins, there would be some degree of comedy. If Philly beats Toronto in Game 7, we're recording this on Friday morning, by the way. If Philly beats Toronto in Game 7, and and actually, if Philly wins the East and goes to the Finals, even if they don't win it, and then they win the lottery... That would be yeah. something because that Sacramento pick, everyone considers it a Boston pick because of the chances of it going to Boston, but it's got 1% odds at number one. Philly traded it to Boston in the Jason Tatum deal and top one protected it. So if that pick goes to number one, it's Philly's, not Boston's. That They're, they're going to have 10 ping pong balls in there. That would be amazing. That would I, be I, so funny if Philly went to the finals and then won the lottery. Could you imagine the uproar? That would be crazy. I would love that. And I mean, the Sam Hinkie truthers would come back. We'd, we'd see them. That is exactly why. Yeah. There's a lot of ways this can be interesting. Um, I think that, it, you know, the Knicks would be interesting as well, too, if they get the right to draft Zion only because, well, not, not only because, it, you know, it could mean the revitalization of the Knicks franchise, but I, I don't know, maybe there's a chance they trade him, too. And um, that becomes another storyline to watch heading into draft night. Yeah. But that's not funny. That's just more interesting. No. Yeah. I mean, that's like actual NBA interesting. It it doesn't have the same like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening factor. All right. I got one more. I got one more question. One more okay. game-like question. So right. ignoring the odds, let's say that the winner of the lottery every year is just uh, the basketball gods deciding who deserves the lottery the most. So, like, the Pelicans win after Chris Paul. Uh, Cleveland wins three out of four after LeBron leaves. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just the basketball gods deciding who deserves the lottery. If that's the case, and we know that that is, is religiously and factually proven because the basketball gods do exist. I don't want to hear mm. otherwise. Who Who's going to win? Mm. We talked to Gina Mizell, uh, Joe Varden and I, we had a three-way conversation about who deserves this pick. And so I called it metaphysical basketball ethics and trying to determine who who's worthy of the pick. I, I think each of the top three teams is out, I got to say. Um, I feel like Charlotte just kind of deserves a little bit. You know, uh, Minnesota has two number one overall picks. And Andrew Wiggins, they didn't make the selection, but... You know, they got him two months later. I don't know. I I feel like maybe maybe Memphis or Charlotte. No? You don't think so? You seem to be... First of all, metaphysical basketball ethics is, is exactly why I love you and why you're the best writer. Uh, <laughs> that is hilarious. Second of all, I don't think it's Charlotte. I think Charlotte's fan base deserves it. Yeah. Because... But, but to me, it's not like... To me, it's Atlanta. Atlanta because they they tried Atlanta, this year. Well, Atlanta has done things right. Like Atlanta, Atlanta hasn't this Atlanta front office, this Atlanta organization hasn't messed up. Charlotte put itself in this position. It's given out bad. It, it's it's let the fact that it can't 
that big names don't want to sign in Charlotte get to its head, right? And so it's given out these big contracts that's hamstrung strung that organization to Batum. It's overpaid Michael Kidd Gilchrist. It's given a big deal to Cody Zeller, who if you listen to this podcast, you know I actually really like, but he's still making $14 million a year. They've got all these huge contracts on the books. None of them are particularly helpful players other than obviously Kemba Walker. Uh, I, mean, I shouldn't say particularly helpful, but necessarily fit the role that they're being put in on that team. Uh, and they're just... That's why they're hamstrung. They're hamstrung not because of any sort of bad luck. It's not like they they found their guy and then he got hurt or something like that. They just, like, built a not good team. So to me, like, Atlanta has done it smart. They took a huge risk. They knew that they were going to get just publicly killed for for not taking Luka with that pick. They took a huge pick, a huge risk, and while Luka could still end up being better than Trey Young – it looks like a perfectly intelligent trade. Trey Young is really good. And, like, let's not forget, people talk about it's just Trey Young for Luka. They're going to have a lottery pick in all likelihood this year. And if they have, if they hit on that one, they could be in really, really good shape. Uh, between them, they got John Collins. They got a couple other nice guys, uh, Torian Prince. So I, I, I think that they – I think they uh, – I think they're the ones – they got smart front office, willing to take risks, works analytically, works intelligently. They seem to be building a – Lloyd Pierce is a good coach. Seems to be building a pretty good culture. Seems to be building a system that would make sense with more talented players there and more veteran players who know how to play. I'm going with them. Yeah, it can't be Minnesota. It obviously can't be the Lakers. I mean, it could be Miami. I don't know. I mean, they kind of put themselves into yes, this mediocrity right. by it's not, two it's summers not ago. They gave like $200 million to Ken, Kelly Olynyk and Deion Waiters and James Johnson, and everyone at the time was first guessing it. Yeah, I mean, I, there's another team which uh, I, I was going to say, say. By, by that logic, I think Dallas maybe a little bit. Um, sure. You know, they, yeah. they made their gutsy trade. Well, I don't think gutsy. I, I thought it was the right call. Like, I thought Luka Doncic was the best player in last year's draft. They went for it. Um, they... This year they made a, what I think was a very good deal to uh, rid themselves an aging veteran and DeAndre Jordan and bring in Kristaps Porzingis and really try to maximize their talent. Um, and they were bad, and then they tried to get in as high as they could into the top five if possible this year, heading into the lottery. I, I would say uh, they're probably hurt by the fact that their organization has been, seems like, pretty poorly run with all these sexual and the credible sexual assault allegations that we've seen reported in Sports Illustrated and elsewhere. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say they deserve it when you have that kind of uh, malfeasance going on widespread throughout your organization. So, you know, I I would say that that knocks them out. Um, Memphis, maybe? I don't know. Like, Memphis has kind of done things the right way. They have the whole grit and grind era. But uh, things just kind of end, right? They kind of end, and they decided to pivot this year. Yeah, I'm okay with that. How we feel about New Orleans? I mean, look, New Orleans is this. This is kind of the opposite logic of what I was saying for Atlanta, right? Like they 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 ran stuff wrong, and and they didn't do the best job that they could have done. There's no question about that. But like, it's kind of what you were talking about, and it's kind of the logic of like, you lose LeBron, you win three out of four. You lose Chris Paul, you get Anthony Davis. Maybe you lose Anthony Davis, you get Zion Williamson. How do you feel about that? 
Sounds like you're know. not into it. I'm not into it. I, I just, I don't know. Do we want to reward the Bulls for bringing back Jim Boylan for us for another year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I, I think. I think there. It's hard to say. Like someone deserves it this year. There's no. There's no fan base that has been so uh, hurt throughout the years. That's just been aggrieved for so long, without uh, actual like blame uh, on the on the fault of the organization that they root for. I, I don't know. I feel like by by your logic, I, I think that Memphis should get it or Atlanta should get it. I think Charlotte, I still think there's an argument for them in the fact that they recognize that nobody wants to sign with Charlotte and they kind of have to like try to keep the players who are already willing to play there. They just make bad decisions. And um, I know they had Kemba for so long and it got them nothing. And they, they were the second pick in the Anthony Davis draft year, which was like the worst place to be that year. Uh, they are like the example of the curse of the second pick in that Anthony Davis is number one and then you have Michael Kidd G- Gilchrist in that draft. At number two, um, I don't know. There's not a lot of deserving teams. I like Atlanta. I, I think they would be the best basketball destination too. Like him and John Collins and Trey Young and Kevin Huerter, and what I, I like what Lloyd Pierce is doing. Like that would be a really fun basketball team. Okay, I'm into that. The, the second round pick is good logic. I don't know if you can hear that faint drilling in the background, but I guess there's drilling going on in my building right now, uh, which is I know fantastic for a podcast. We'll pretend like it's a drop. Uh, you got me with the second round pick logic. That's good. They also had the second pick in the Dwight Howard draft when they were the they Bobcats, did. and they ended up with a Mecca Okafor. Good player, not yeah. Dwight Howard. Yeah. I, I I wonder if that's a play again this year, um, the kind of the second overall pick fallacy. Just like, I don't know why. It's just whoever's picked second in a lot of years is just so drastically far and away from who the top pick is. Yeah. All right, plug your plug your stuff. Anything that you are coming out with that you want to hint at or anything you, you have come out with you want to tell people to read? Uh, yeah, so we're recording this Friday afternoon. It's not out yet. I don't think yet. Let me, let me check theathletic.com backslash Knicks, which is where you can find all of our Knicks coverage and my work. I have a what I think is a kind of fun lottery story, a tongue-in-cheek lottery story. I don't want to quite say what it is yet in case it doesn't run today. It's also... Um, I admit that while thinking about it, I was like, man, is this kind of stupid? I feel like this might be stupid. So I don't know if I executed it well enough. But it's it's a lottery story um, that, <laughs> for better or worse, you probably will not be reading somewhere else. Um, and uh, as usual, just you know, check out The Athletic and uh, New York and see our Knicks stuff and everyone else there. And that's all when you're done reading Fred on the Wizards coverage. And as Fred, how, how long is this GM search going to go? How much longer are you going to be uh, grinding your gears? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, my guess is that it's not going to be more than another two or three weeks. My guess is like by around Memorial Day weekend, they got to have somebody in. I actually have a story up on The Athletic as of about, you know, earlier this morning, uh, just about how it's actually, you know, people are freaking out. And when I say people, I mean like when I check Reddit and when I read my Twitter mentions, uh, people seem to be freaking out about them not having a GM yet. Yeah. It's actually it's not. It's not that big of a deal. There's a very timely Genghis Khan reference in there. Yes, there is. But it's not my reference. No, no. You're quoting someone. I don't want to give it away. But yeah, you know, I was on it's always phone. good when there's a Genghis Khan reference in a yes. story. I was on the phone with someone. And I was like, please let me put that in the story. <laughs> <laughs> please. Please, oh, please. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, it's it's not that big of a deal that they're going in to the combine without a permanent figurehead and, and just the outline of the story. Basically, think of it like this, and you go in the story and find information in there. But think of it like this: if they hired someone two weeks ago, they'd still be sending all the same people to the combine right now. It's not yeah. like that person would come in immediately upon the first day, fire everybody, and immediately upon the second day, bring in all of his own people. That wouldn't be the case. They'd still be sending all the same people to work the combine right now, except for Tommy Shepard wouldn't be kind of there as the the head figure, the obviously temporary, uh, at least temporary for now, head figure. It would be somebody else, or maybe it would be Tommy Shepard if he ends up getting the job. Uh, so I, it's just not that big of a deal. What the guy at the top does is he sets your draft strategy. In some ways, Tommy Shepard is influencing. He wants to go to a more analytic type of thing that's come through in some of the some of the things that they've done so far, and I wrote about that a little bit in the story. But for the most part, that guy at the top sets your draft strategy. Here's a guy we're looking for. Here's the type of player we want to draft. Here's the type of person we want to bring into our organization. All those sorts of things and more. And that doesn't necessarily come into play until you start doing individual workouts and you really start preparing for the draft. You even know where you're picking, and they're not even going to know where they're picking until Tuesday. So we got 41 days from now until the draft. 42, 40 days, whatever the heck it is. If they hire someone with 30 days before the draft, 28 days before the draft, that person is going to have a month to figure out what the heck he's doing. And that person also most likely will have been at the combine anyway just for another team. So not that big of a deal. Calm it all down if you're freaking out. It's okay that it's been five and a half weeks. We'll see who they hire. We'll see why they're taking this long. Um, if If they just wait this long and it's not for a legitimate reason, we'll talk about it then. But there's a pretty decent chance it's just for a legitimate reason, because that's how these things go sometimes. Uh, Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Um, Give us five stars. Leave a review. Do all those sorts of things. Read The Athletic. Subscribe to The Athletic so you can read Mike's work. I will be back next week. I'll probably record one of these just in Chicago or something. Maybe I'll do it from the Combine. I haven't even figured out how I'm going to do it, because as you can tell, I'm just the most organized person in America. We need subscribers, right, Mike? Uh, I think so. I mean, and with work like yours, why wouldn't anyone want to subscribe? <laughs> oh, man, too flattering. <laughs> subscribe to the worst podcast in America. I'll talk to you guys next week.